verse 36 and uh, reading through the remainder of the chapter it says and Gideon said to God if thou wilt deliver Israel through me as thou hast spoken behold I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor if there is dew on the fleece only and if and it is dry on all the ground then I will know that thou art or thou wilt deliver Israel through me as thou hast spoken and it was so so he rose up and he said, we will see God deliver, right? No. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the new dew from it and the fleece and a bowl of water, full of water. Then Gideon said to God, um, do not let thy anger burn against me that I may speak once more, please. Can I ask you one more quest, uh, question? Will you do this for me? Please let me make a test once more with fleece. Let it now be dry on, on, uh, only on fleece, and let there be dew on all the ground. And God did so that night, for it was dry only on the fleece, and dew was on the ground. Wow. Two times. Two times. I want you to um, look at the verse first verse I read in verse 36 this is very important then Gideon said to God if thou wilt deliver Israel through me I want you to keep that in mind as we look at this and can we know the will of God and if so how that's very important so let's go to the Lord in prayer Father I just want to thank you once again for this service this time these people have come to hear your word, and I pray that you'll speak to the hearts as only you can, the way that you need to speak. And I pray that we will be receptive to what you would have us to hear and learn and apply to our lives. And God, I just pray that we'll be obedient with that application in whatever way uh, that you are directing us. And may we leave this place rejoicing because of not only our surrender to you and our obedience to you, but Lord, of knowing in faith, by faith, that you will be working in a mighty way as we allow you to work through our lives this week. And we want to see you at work and do mighty things So, and you, for your guidance and direction. So, Lord, may we trust in you with all of our heart and lean not unto our own understanding, but acknowledge you in all our ways and have you straighten our path. Make it straight for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, for his sake we ask it. Amen. John Wesley, y'all all remember him, Methodist preacher, was 32 years old when he was in America serving as a missionary. He was a bachelor at that time. And he was in the colony of Georgia. And he was not going to be a sheep but a bulldog. No, I'm just kidding. That's from this morning. He served in a church in Savannah. And there he met this young lady named Sophia, Christina Hopke. She was pretty and intelligent. Man, his heart just, boom, 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 you know, that type thing over. He fell head over heels in love with her. And there was a problem that arose, though, 
And the problem was the club that he belonged to. It was a holy club. Well, that, what's wrong with being part of the holy club? Well, one of their requirements was, ideas, was that the members should remain single. Oh, oh what a heartbreaker. Man. Oh. So what did he do? He said, well, I'm going to see if God really wants me to marry her. And so I'm going to put out a fleece, a type of fleece. So what he did was him and his friends, Charles Delamate, he, uh, they, they put in three things into a, a boat. And uh, the three things were three pieces of paper. One, all it had on it was Mary. The second one said, think not of it this year. Just let it ride for a year. Think not of it this year. And the third one said, think of it no more. And so he said, Charles, you draw for me. You draw it out. So he did, and he drew it out, and guess what he drew? Think of it no more. Wesley's friend drew uh, this paper out and showed it to him, and what did he do? He took it mean that God did not want him to marry her, not at all. And so he sailed back to England, and in his journal he said, Snatched as a brand out of a fire. Shortly after his return to England, he went to these meetings. And as he went to these meetings, he came to know the Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, he was serving without knowing the Lord. Can you do that? Sure you can do that. Be confused. So in turn, that's what Satan desires for us to be confused. That's why I was talking about this morning. Uh, you know, we confuse people with the gospel and commitment there. We'll send them on the road to hell. On the wide and narrow road. I mean, wide road. Not the narrow road. And so in turn, uh, and they, they'll think and be uh, believing that just because they joined the church or become part of a church and maybe involved in church, uh, that they're a Christian going to heaven when they've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, as he was there, he met this other lady, a Bible class teacher. She was a widow, and her name was Grace Murray. And this time, he tried something different to find God's will. He listed seven factors he desired in a wife. And these included roles such as housekeeping, nurse companion, friend, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, uh, what were your gifts and, and the fruits of her labors? And so after setting out the pros and cons, then he stated his conclusion. He was to marry her as she filled this out, the way that he thought that you know, it, it should go. That she was everything that he, uh, he thought that he needed. Well, his, bro his brother, Charles Wesley, knew that uh, you know, John had just started an evangelistic crusade. And he knew that this would hinder his crusade, or so he thought. So what did he do? He hurried over to Grace's home. He knew her well. Ran inside and said to her, Grace, you have broken my heart. And then he fainted. 
That shook her up so badly that she hastily married him. Hmm. Strike two for John Wesley. Hmm. Not too good about putting out the fleece, is he? Uh, so finally, a year and a half later, he married a woman by the name of Mary Vazelli. Now, I don't know what he did to choose her, but his marriage was unhappy. It was bad news for 20 years, and she left him after 20 years. When she did, he wrote in his journey, I have not left her. I would not send her away. I will not recall her, though. Was John, was John right the first time when he used lots with the paper? How about the second time when he just used common sense? That's pretty good. Pros and cons. Whatever you use a third, we know that it didn't work out. So how did he do? You know, how if he did come to the conclusion, how did he do in following God's will? How do we know the will of God, better yet? Do we cast lots? Do we take, you know, or ask for some supernatural sign? Are we putting God to certain tests? Should we? Well, the passage here in Judges 6 hopefully will help us in, uh, you know, dealing with how to know God's will. And the lessons we learn, though, will primarily be from the negative perspective, unfortunately. But we'll talk about some positive application at the end. So, how many of us have heard about putting the fleece out? Better yet, how many of us have put the fleece out? Let me ask another question. Is putting the fleece out what God really desires for us to do in finding his will? Is that the way that God is giving guidance to us? Well, we're about to look at a man of God who put the fleece out not just once, but we know of twice, one right after another in trying to find and do the will of God. Now let's look at Judges once again. Then Gideon said to God, If thou wilt deliver Israel through me, as thou hast spoken, as thou hast spoken, let that run throughout your mind and your heart continually. As thou hast spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the floor fleece only and if it is dry on all the ground then I will know that thou wilt deliver Israel through me as thou hast spoken as thou hast spoken as thou hast spoken and it was so and then he did the other same thing here we have Gideon putting out a fleece not once but twice and we also have God to our surprise answering his request though aren't you glad that God works with us even in our 
foolishness sometimes. And so we see that Gideon is putting out the fleece, but as we see this, and even though God answered his request, should we follow this course? That's the question. Should we follow this course of action when trying to find out the will of God? Is that the way that we should go? Many Christians do practices today. Matter of fact, I think probably all of us to one degree, uh, to some degree or not have probably said this and what, uh, what do I mean by that well we say something like father I have two options if you want me to follow plan A then please do this by Tuesday <laughs> then I will know that it's what you want me to do but if you do not then I'll follow plan B sound familiar Fleece setting lets us know one thing for sure. Many believers are trying to seek God in His will, at least, aren't they, when they do this? And that tells me that knowing God's will in many people's lives may play a very important part. An old Model T was pulled to the side, and I'm giving you this story to help you understand what I'm about to say. It, that's important in, fi in finding God's will. An old Model T pulled to the side of the road, hood up. Young man was trying desperately to get it running. He'd been trying for a long time without any success. And all of a sudden, this beautiful chauffeur-driven limousine stopped beside him. And this nice, well-dressed guy got out of the, the vehicle. And he walked over and he just watched him. And then he, after watching him for a while, the man told the young man who owned the Model T, uh, why don't you try this minor adjustment over here and then try to crank it? The man in desperation and a little hesitant, here's his well-dressed guy, I mean, what does he know? He went ahead because he was desperate. So the young man did it, the engine started running as if, 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 as if it were brand new. I mean, it was just humming. Young man, amazed, looked at the man, and he said, how'd you know exactly what to do? The older man, well-dressed, said, well, my name is Henry Ford. I made the car. I know all about how it works. In finding God's will, guess what? God made us, didn't he? So I think God is a very important person to go to and to listen to. He knows all about us. He loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Wow! He knew exactly what we needed to understand him and to be born again and to, to understand his will in trying to live and please him in all ways. He has a will for our lives. He has direction for our lives, and we should want to know it and obey it. Someone that loves us that much, someone that has created us, someone that knows us inside and out, and someone who knows what's best for our life and has a direction for us. We should want to know it. And that applies to every area of our life, at every stage of our life. Every decision we make, we should want to know and to do the will of God. That's what Paul says over in Colossians, doesn't he? This is what I pray for. And so in turn, if the will of God is so important for Christians, 
as in Ephesians 5.17 it should be. So then do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. Wow. It is important. If we're to know and to do his will in our lives, then how can we know it? If it's so important and we should know it, how can we know it? And this brings us back to Judges chapter 6, verses 36 and through 40. Is this a pattern that we should follow in our lives when we seek to know his will? And of course the answer is no. Fleece setting is not God's way of directing his children. God's greatest desire for his children is that we know and do his will. We know that. In fact, he is much more concerned about it than we are. But we make a great mistake if we take Judges 6 as a pattern for our life in finding God's will and use that. We need to look carefully at this passage to find out what not to do and hopefully we can with some uh, uh, examples and illustrations know what to do. With looking at this passage more closely, we hopefully can discover just that. The negatives of not, what not to do and the positives of what to do. So let's look at the negatives. Then Gideon said to God, if thou wilt, then uh, as thou hast spoken, then let me, uh, you answer this fleece. Let's read these verses very carefully. Was Gideon ignorant? And this is why I said over and over again, as thou hast spoken, was Gideon ignorant of God's word and God's will? No. He tells us he won. If thou wilt deliver Israel through me as thou hast spoken. Notice what Gideon said, as thou hast spoken. He says that two times. Once in verse 36 and then in verse 37. It reveals to us that Gideon knew well what God wanted him to do. He clearly knew what God had said. Gideon's problem was not one of knowledge. It was not one of knowledge. It was one of faith and obedience. Now let's review some facts about God's dealing with Gideon to see if God's will was clear enough for Gideon. Was it really clear enough for him? Well, in verse 11, Gideon was beating out the wheat uh, with a stick and a hidden wine press. And he was uh, the picture here of defeat and discouragement and, and doubt. And at that time, the angel of the Lord appears to him. The Lord pre-incarnate. And God, Gideon uh, came to know through this experience with the Lord a transforming uh, relationship. And the Lord God did at least three things for Gideon at that time. He gave him a clear statement of his will. An unmistakable commission. God made sure Gideon was clear how, what to do, and how it should be done. He repeated it three times. Verses 12, 14, and 16. You couldn't ask for any more. God was very clear. He doesn't stutter. He was clear. Number two, God gave Gideon a clear revelation of his person. Who he was. Gideon knew. He was afraid that he had seen the Lord and what? He was going to die. Judgment had come upon him. But Gideon knew that 
this commission had come from God. And then number three, God topped it off with an experience of the Spirit of the Father. He said what? The Spirit of the Father would be with you, didn't he? So, there it was. The Holy Spirit clothed him with Gideon. The experience was dealing with Baal in his father's backyard and rallying 32,000 men to fight with him. Man, that should be enough, shouldn't it? He knew. In verse 36, when we read about Gideon asking God for a fleece for delivering Israel, we've got to remember what has just previously happened. It wasn't that Gideon was without a word from God. See, a lot of us say, well, Gideon put out a fleece so we can put out a fleece. We should, hey, we're going to get to that pretty soon. We have the word of God. He clearly had that. Gideon clearly knew exactly what God's will was. He knew God's word on the matter. So, since Gideon knew God's will, we must conclude that fleece setting is evidence of doubt, not faith. Gideon was saying, if you do this, then I will know. It's doubting, isn't it? We've done it. I've done it. I've done it. Lord, you do this by this time tomorrow and I'll know that it's you. What had God already done for Gideon? He had already promised to deliver and work through him. The Lord had already done a miracle to prove to Gideon that he meant what he said. Gideon was basically saying, I know what you have done. I know what you are commanding. I know that you have promised this or that, but I am not sure that I'm really ready to believe it. You see, Gideon was battling, not Midian, but doubt within and doubt towards God. What does fleece setting do? What does it cause? It causes us to doubt God's great promises. Look at I mean, you don't have to turn there, but Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now, what does God promise the psalmist? He'll instruct them. He'll teach them. He'll show them the way, doesn't he? Psalm 37, 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are established by the Lord. And he delights in his ways. When he uh, falls, he shall not be hurled headlong because the Lord is one who holds his hand. Who's going to be with us? The Lord. He will hold our hand. Psalm 48, 14. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until what? Death. He will guide us until death. Isaiah 58, 11. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will live a watered garden, or yeah, live a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. This is what he promises. So when we flee set, when we're doubting the promises of God, that's basically what it is, uh, we are refusing to rest in his word. And what is more serious is we're 
And listen to this. This is what he's doing. This is what I do. I've done it. When I do this, I am demanding that the Lord lead me on my terms, not his. That's why flea setting nearly always is motivated by doubt, not faith. And then next, flea setting is evidence of doubt, not faith. It is also a sign of dictating to God and not submitting to him and his will, as I've already mentioned a little bit. So Gideon didn't come to God and say, Lord, I am still afraid. I have a lot of doubts. Please reveal again to me your will and presence. He could have done that. We could do that when we do the same thing. But Gideon came and said, God, basically this is what he was saying. God, this is my program. You do this and you do that and I, you know, I want, it be, uh, I want you to understand, I want it done by such and such time. And, uh, you know, uh, first, wet the fleece and keep the ground dry, he said. Second, please alter the whole course of nature because I tell you to. Do it the other way. And then, sovereign God must do what Gideon said or else. Or else what? His request was really absurd and ours are a lot of times too and presumptuous why should God suspend the laws of nature because Gideon told him to do that Gideon's job was not to tell God what how to do his work or what to do was it it, it wasn't let's but at the same time let me share with you we don't need to be too hard on Gideon do we I mean he was a man who seemed to be the only one in his generation that did not yield to Baal. And at least he was willing to serve Jehovah God. So uh, he had grown up in a thoroughly pagan society. And we should understand, with that growing up in thoroughly, being in a thoroughly uh, pagan society, brings confusion a lot of times, doesn't it? I mean, it really does. Confusion, and it can bring doubt. And so the thing we've got to learn from Gideon is that the example of confusion and doubt is not the way to go. It shouldn't be our way, and we should learn that. We've done the same thing, maybe in a different form or fashion, but basically the same thing. But we've got to realize what was excusable in his life is not in ours. I mean, he doesn't have what we have today. He doesn't have the completed word of God. So since fleece setting is of doubt and, and not faith, and since it is dictating to God and not submitting to him, then fleece setting doesn't really solve our problem, does it? It doesn't really solve our problem. Next morning, Gideon got up after he told him what to do the first time. Went, uh, you know, uh, and uh, he, uh, the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. But then he began to think, hmm, okay. How do I really know this was of God? You, you ever done that? Yeah. Obviously, the wool would retain moisture. And the rock would dry up quickly. Maybe it was just a coincidence. I want to be sure about this. So what did Gideon do? 
he went into the presence of God again asking for another sign. You see, the problem with fleece setting is that it does not produce certainty. It doesn't. It puts God in a little box, and that little box is answer the way I want you to answer. Do what I want you to do. And so we read in verse 40, the first six words, and God did so that night. We're reading about God's patience and praise God for God's patience because I tell you what, I would have been blown out of the water I don't know how many times because my fleece would have sunk too. Gideon was one of those slow learners and okay, I'm a slow learner too. But at least in God's class of faith. But I'm, you know, I'm afraid that if we examine very closely a lot of lives in, in churches, we operate on this principle here. And that principle is not one of true faith. We say, I know how Gideon feels. I put my fleece out time and time again. And it's gotten wet time and time again. How can a believer know God's will for their lives? Well, some corrections in how to look at things. First of all, understand that the most important thing, the most important thing is the guide, not the guidance. Imagine driving in a strange city. What would you rather have? A guide who knows the city inside out and offers his help and assistance, or a road map with a list of addresses. I know which one I would like. A guy that I could count on that knew the town. And if we spend time in the Word of God, we know that spending time in, with the guide, which is Jesus Christ, we should know what our number one priority is because he knows us what inside and out he knows where we should be going and he knows what direction we should go in so spending time with the guide means i am spending time with the one who will lead and direct me does that mean the word of god is not important certainly not we'll get to that in just a minute i'm saying that the will of god is never mechanical that's what i'm referring to you see, it's not plugging, into the right, plugging the right questions into the computer and uh, having our, our Bible on there and zap, out comes the will of God. That's not what I'm talking about. Guidance comes from the guide. And we can be out of fellowship with God but be walking encyclopedias about the will of God and you know, all these things about the will of God and not know him personally and really not know the will for our life. If I am to know his guidance, I must enjoy fellowship with him, first of all. I mean, that's the key. That's the most important thing. And that is getting to know the God. And when we understand that the most important thing is knowing, in knowing God's will is the guide, next 
we can realize that the guidance is based upon the principles and precepts of his manual, the Word of God. Gideon did not know God's will by putting out the fleece. He understood God's will by obeying the revealed Word of God. Same with our lives. God's Word is God's will for our life. Simple, complete as that. God inspired it so you could be thoroughly equipped to do good work and bring, which is our will primarily, and bring honor and glory to his name. That's why we're here. In the Bible, we have specific commands and general principles which apply to many areas of life. And, and when we take God's precepts and principles and we apply them to our life, we can get that clear picture that God has for us and for our direction. When we grasp this concept, we begin to understand that God is much more interested in what I am. And this is very important. He's much more interested in what I am than where I am or what I am doing. You see, if we are developing the way God wants us to develop. Don't you think a lot of this other stuff will become visible to us and revealed to us as we walk with the Lord? This tells me that God's will majors on my character, your character. So if we understand that the most important thing in, in, is knowing God, in knowing God's will is knowing God uh, in an ongoing personal relationship and we know that to do that, then he gives us his manual for guidance to confirm this. Then the guidance is confirmed by us understanding it through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is used. Colossians 3.15 tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And that has many or several applications, but one important one is the Holy Spirit will, guide, will give me a deep inner peace and contentment about God's will for my life. A lot of times this comes about, uh, it says Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And let the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One major cause for anxiety uh, is a believer's life not knowing whether they're in God's will or not, whether they're doing what God would have them to do. Anxiety solves nothing, but prayer does. And Paul is telling us that we need to go to prayer and let the Holy Spirit work in our lives and give us that comfort and that contentment in our, our heart and our life, knowing that we are seeking His will and doing and, and uh, uh, obeying what God would have us to obey. So we see that the first thing is Christ is important. His word is important. The Holy Spirit who helps brings that, that comfort. But with that, this peace allows God to plant a hunger and a desire to be in his will continually. Man, when we know this and God is at work, then we want to know more, don't we? We want to know more about God. It's not just knowing more about our will. God will reveal that as we, know, we desire him more and more. This is why Paul said that that was his number one goal. His number one purpose is to know God and to know him better. Psalm 37, 3 through 4, trust in the Lord 
and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But you've got to feast on him. And guess what? As you feast on him, you get to know him better, you love him. What becomes your desires? Desires that will please him. Not so much desires that will please the flesh anymore, but desires that will please him. Psalm 145, 19. He will fulfill the desires of those who fear him. We need to respect him, honor him. Put him above everything else. Philippians 2, 13. God is at work within us to produce both the willing and the doing of his good pleasure. And then finally, last. So we know God is, you know, to, to have that relationship, ongoing relationship with the Lord. We know that to do that, we need to be in the word of God. To do that, we need the Holy Spirit uh, that brings us a peace and comfort and, and with that peace and comfort causes us to have more hunger and thirst and with that peace and it <clears throat> comfort to hunger him more and more we are to continue to walk with him in obedience being obedient to him some of our desire uh, and to do that Sometimes our decisions are very hard to make. And we search it out and we seek it out and we know what God's word says, but <clears throat> we have such a desire to be right with God. The last thing is it doesn't mean that we cannot seek help from other godly people. God puts people in churches and in in our lives that are godly. They're walking with the Lord. And they may bring along, they may be the person that God places there just for a reason to bring along that, uh, that word that we need to hear. That word that doesn't contradict the word of God, but that goes along with what you're wrestling with. To help unravel it and, to, and for you to see more clearly. Some decisions require help from others in other words God sees in our heart that that desire to please him is great and so he puts somebody in your life he puts people in in, in all of our lives here there's nothing wrong with seeking out guidance from other people is there there's nothing wrong in people praying with you. there's nothing nothing wrong in in seeing what they have to say and so in turn, so God prepares for us a godly person to pray and to share with us someone that is special or maybe some many and that has that special discernment for that special situation. We can know the will of God. It's not a mystical or a magical or mysterious process that leaves us perpetually in doubt. It is simply a matter of walking with the shepherd and knowing him better. We do not need a fleece to know his will. Gideon's problem was not that he did not know God's will, but that he hesitated in doing it. And that's our problem a lot of times. And sometimes we're wrestling with it because we hesitate to do it because we really deep down don't want to do it because of all that's involved there. What is the will of God? It is the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you want to know his will, 
then we need to spend time with him and listen to him. Listen to his voice and be obedient and follow him. His guidance is certain. He leads us for his name's sake, it says in Psalm 23, 3. Asap said in Psalm 73, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Thou hast taken hold of my right hand. With thy counsel, thou wilt guide me and afterward receive me to glory. That should be our desire, isn't it? God, take my hand. Lord, I want to spend time with you. God, what is it that you want me to know? But Lord, I know that you'll reveal that at the right time. My, as I fall more in love with you and seek you first. That's the number one goal. Seeking God with all your heart. As you seek God with all your heart, you get to know him better. You get to know his word better. Then you find out his will and you desire to do it and you do it. You step out in faith and trust him. Let's bow our heads in